0: The whole point of this podcast is to look at the process of moving from Europe to the United States. First thing I wanted to ask you about was legalities, OK? Yeah. And that terrible four-letter
1: word, visa. You know, visa is definitely a massive challenge and an important consideration to make. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to introduce you to U.S. immigration attorney in London who has helped me to get my visa several times. Sounds good. Let's go. Great, let's go. <laughs>
0: You're listening to Move Your Business to the United States with me, your host, Kevin Turley.
1: This is South Kensington.
0: So Sebastian, we're here in South Kensington, central London. Now, today you're going to introduce me to somebody who's going to help me with that
1: four-letter word I mentioned the last time. Exactly. Uh, today I'm going to introduce you to Orlando, who is an immigration he is an immigration lawyer based here in London. And he has helped me um, various times with my visa in the US, so I know he can get the job done, Kevin, and uh, he will help you. I'm really looking forward to meeting him.
0: Okay, let's fight our way through the through the streets and uh, find out where Orlando's lair is. Okay, so we're we're just coming up to the offices here of Orlando in. Uh, in this part of South Kensington, which is full of embassies and hotels and museums. And we just passed the Natural History Museum, which is ironic given that London is about as far from natural history as you can imagine, unlike Texas, say. Right, where there are venomous snakes everywhere, right? So I mean, Yeah, we've got a few snakes in London, but uh, they're normally walking on their hind legs around the place. Okay, so
1: let's go in and find out from Orlando then, what we're doing. I think we passed it. Because this is 180, this is 171, so it must be down this way.
0: Um. Hello, here to see Orlando. What's
1: your name? Kevin
0: Turley. So here we are. We're in. We're actually in the office now of Ortega Medina, and we're just about to meet Orlando, Sebastian, and I. Sebastian has worked with Orlando, and he helped him in his process of moving to the United States. So in a minute, I think I think this is Orlando coming through now.
1: Hello, gents. Orlando, good to meet you. This hey, so is Kevin. How are you, Kevin?
0: Kevin, pleasure, So Orlando, good good to meet you here in your office in Central London, in South Ken. Um, can you tell me a bit about yourself?
2: Sure. Uh, I'm Orlando Ortega. I'm a U.S. immigration lawyer, originally from California. Uh, before I practiced U.S. immigration law, I was actually a criminal defense lawyer. Wow. And in, in, in California? In California. Yeah, and uh, from there, because some of my clients who weren't U.S. nationals were placed into deportation, I my entry into U.S. immigration law was in defending my clients in uh, deportation court. So eventually people started to uh, consult me with regards to visas and all and eventually I shifted out of criminal defense and into uh, US visas and eventually business visas. And that was about 20 years ago and so I've been doing US business visas since.
0: Okay, but that, that, that's
2: fine Orlando, but that's California. How yeah. did you end up in London? Well, uh, we were uh, one of the first internet-based uh, US immigration businesses based on a, a Canadian model for a company that I had worked for previously. And uh, so as soon as we put ourselves out on the net, uh, we started getting inquiries primarily from uh, the United Kingdom. And uh, so the feedback to us was, if we had some kind of an office in the UK, uh, clients would be more likely to hire us. And so we launched an office here 15 years ago.
0: Now, I'm here with Sebastian. And uh, the key thing here is that you actually helped Sebastian realize his American dream some years ago.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, in fact, Orlando and I worked together for the first time in 2008. Uh, when he got me my first ever, you know, L1 visa to open a business, to open an office in Miami. And then the renewal as well, you know, and then again in um, 2016. So yeah, basically we started that 2015. Yeah, so I've worked with um, Alanda and his very competent colleagues um, a number of times successfully. And um, so I know when we recommend professionals to our clients that we want to recommend professionals where we know they can do the job, you know, it's going to work out, you know. Mm. And I can say, definitely say that with Orlando, but I've, definitely we have, a, we have a good track record um, together. So i uh, made a very good experience, there. Yeah. And just bear in
2: mind that anything that I say right now is not going to be, it shouldn't be considered to be legal advice. Of course. So
0: Orlando, somebody's thinking, just thinking about moving their business, their family, the
2: United States to, to Austin and Texas. Um, why do they need a lawyer? Well, they'll need a lawyer for many different reasons, uh, you know, business reasons, uh, related to their establishment of their businesses in the United States. But uh, also to be able to authorize them to live and work in the United States, they're going to need to sort out uh, visas. And the visa process, there are many different uh, categories of visas. Some are falling into disfavor uh, recently, so there are other strategies that one might need to investigate. And it's very difficult, I think, for the average layperson to just go online and to determine in some sort of user-friendly way what exactly is the visa that's the right one for them, and what is the process.
0: Absolutely, I mean, I'm glad you brought it up. We were joking earlier about the four-letter word, visa, because that's the kind of first hurdle, I think, for anybody thinking about this. I mean, can you give us some idea roughly how many visa types there are for the United States for a European to be looking at?
2: Well, there are many different visa types. It's it's quite a long laundry list, all the way from A to Z, uh, but they're not all uh, equally applicable to each situation. So. Um, there would be a finite number of visas available for any particular situation. So I think that one of the most important things, from my perspective, is a, to have a potential client who consults us with an open mind. Right. Uh, people may have already a number or visa category in their mind, but it may not actually be the one that's the best one for them. So what I do is I just listen to the facts, what it is that the person wants to actually accomplish, uh, what is their time scale, um, and then uh, I start to propose options.
0: And, and you do everything from here in South Ken that, that, uh, that a lawyer could do in America you know if you know is it, is it easier to do it with somebody in the UK to come
2: to you as opposed to contacting somebody in the states? It's definitely more preferable in my opinion because I've practiced in the United States as well I've practiced in Canada as well. I can tell you that most of the. US immigration lawyers in the United States are focused on domestic, immigration, people who are looking to regularise their status in the United States. So it sounds to me like
0: you're perfect for for what Mount Bunnell Advisors is involved in, which is business people, entrepreneurs wanting to move. That's what you do?
2: That's our focus. It's 90% of what we do.
0: So you've a, you've not only an expertise around the whole sort of immigration issue, but it's business to business. It's moving businesses to a new terrain. Correct. What are the kind of blocks that you feel that people come to you or the kind of mis? preconceptions they have about moving to the States which which you can deal with quite easily or quickly
2: as a lawyer? Well one of the first things that people where they go wrong is there is a category of visa called uh, B1 business visa. One of the things that, that people do go wrong is that the B1 visa category is known affectionately as a business visa and so People believe that when they have a B-1 visa or they enter the United States visa waiver in the B-1 category, that they're able to conduct business. And that's where a lot of people go wrong because it's not a, uh, a visa that is actually one that allows you to conduct business. It's one that allows you to visit the United States for business purposes. Right. Big but difference. Any, big difference, yes. So any productive business that is done whilst a person is in the United States on uh, ESTA visa waiver or a B-1 is a violation of their
3: status of entry. Thank you for choosing to visit the United States. Our Department of Homeland Security has implemented a multi-layered security system, the purpose of which is to ensure travel is simple, convenient, and secure. Your biometrics are unique and are virtually impossible to forge. By using biometrics we protect your privacy and prevent the theft of your identity. If you're between the ages of 14 and 79 holding a non-U.S. passport or visa, you will provide your biometrics during the entry inspection process. Biometrics allow us to expedite secure travel for you and the millions of legitimate international travelers we welcome each year. Here is what you can expect. Entry procedures. When you arrive in one of our airports or seaports, a customs and border protection
0: So these visas are serious business. And the last thing I want is to be refused entry at the airport before I even start my American dream. So I had to ask.
2: Does that mean somebody could end up in court? It means that people could be turned around at the port of entry, put back on a plane and sent home warned and told, next time you come in, come in with a proper visa. So, so what you're saying is it's, it's very important to get the right visa. Exactly. Well, if you have somebody who wants to visit Austin, for example, and just get the lay of the land and maybe have a couple of meetings and all, no problem. They can go in on visa waiver. Uh, if they have a B-1 visa, they can do that as well. Uh, but if they want to take the next step, which is actually establish themselves there, uh, then they're going to need uh, legal advice in terms of for any corporate or tax purposes or what have you and then to make the move where they actually can go then and run their businesses they'll need visas other than ESTA or, or the B1. Tell me this, the different states have different bars, yeah?
0: Correct. So are you able to give advice across the United States in terms of this kind of business visa stuff does it, is it, or is it state by state? How does it work?
2: Well, there's uh, state law and there's federal law in the United States. So immigration law and law related to visas is uh, federal law. And any lawyer that's called to the bar in any particular state is able to, uh, to advise on, any, uh, on federal law. So right. that includes uh, immigration, gotcha. bankruptcy in the United States or insolvency is also federal law. I wish you hadn't brought that up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that
0: might put our listeners off.
2: <laughs> there are several uh, areas of federal law. Um, immigration is one of them. Excellent.
0: Well, that's great. So so I, I, if I need to, to operate in Austin, I can come to you and you can give me as good a service as any other lawyer in the United States.
2: Yes, that's right.
1: What well, Alanda said is really important, you know, because um, um, I know clients who spoke to, um, you know, immigration attorneys in the United States and um, The point is that the immigration attorney needs to know how their business functions uh, that is outside the United States, right? So if someone has a business, say, in the UK, the immigration attorney needs to know what to look for in that business because that has to be referred to in the business plan or in the application form, you know? And if, say, an attorney in the United States has no idea how businesses are structured in the UK, they will not be able to complete those application forms and the business plan correctly, and thus the visa will fail. That experience that extra clients of mine had, you know. So that's why it's always good um, to have an attorney, um, a US immigration attorney who knows about um, how businesses function outside the United States. So that's exactly what you said before. So it's not just
0: just the sort of statute, legal advice that you're giving here, Orlando. It's, it's a kind of broader picture of the business, work, the business framework that
2: people are operating in in the United States and all the legalities around it. That's correct. And also, like Sebastian just said, uh, some of these visa categories are premised on the track record of the related company outside of the United States. Right. So we as immigration lawyers need to know which documents to ask for how to interpret those documents and then explain that information and documentation to the U.S. Immigration Service or to the U.S. Embassy in whatever country we're dealing with.
1: So there might be, for example, you know, let's something like payroll records or AVAT return, which does not exist in that sense in the United States. You know? That's right. So uh, uh, the immigration attorney in the U.S. who doesn't know about it and thus couldn't ask the client about those documents, which are potentially vitally important to prove the viability of the business in Europe, you know, I mean, they would miss a very important piece of information. You know, that's just one concrete example.
0: Well, I would never have thought that the US immigration authorities would be interested in how
2: business is trading in Europe, but it seems that's the case. It is the case, uh, particularly with the business expansion type of visas that there are. Okay. So, for example, let's just, uh, by contrast, let's say that you have somebody who uh, doesn't necessarily own a company outside of of, uh, the United States they would like to purchase a company in the United States. So therefore, really, we're, we're talking about where did the money that they used to purchase the company come from? So to the extent that uh, the money may have arisen out of business proceeds uh, in the UK or in Germany or what have you, We do have to be switched on to that type of evidence, but primarily most of the evidence is going to come from the purchase of the business in the United States, the tax returns for that business, financials, etc. So we have to have a good sense of business sense in terms of the U.S. jurisdiction in which the person is buying their business. Uh, But with regards to what most of our clients are going to have is some sort of related uh, business outside of the United States and we have to know how to interpret those documents.
1: I think another important point is that, you know, there are visa categories that are decided in the United States and others are actually decided in the local embassy, right? In this case, in the embassy in London. There's, is there a sort of decision-making power within, within local embassies? Definitely. Uh, the, the,
2: uh, most of the visas that are decided outside of the United States at embassies are the result of treaties between the United States and the country in which the... the uh, the embassy is located. Right. So there's uh, treaties that involve investment. There are treaties that involve trade. So, for example, if you have a company that is based in the UK, that's trading with the United States, has been trading with the United States, say over a 12 to 24 month plus period, then there's a visa specifically for that type of company.
1: The visa applications that Orlando prepared for me previously, you know, they were like 500 pages. It contains everything like business plan, bank statements, you know, I mean, it's a a massive effort, you know, that has to be checked, that has to be processed, it has to be filed, you know, I mean, it's very, um, it's a very laborious process.
0: Hi. You're listening to Move Your Business to the United States. Just a quick word from our sponsors, Mount Bonnell Advisors. The people there have been advising clients on moving stateside for years. For all your needs, both business and practical, head over to MountBonnell.com to find out more. Thanks for listening. But it also probably, and I'd be interested in your view on this, Orlando, it probably sorts the men from the
2: boys those that are serious about doing this and those that maybe aren't that serious? Well, I think uh, something probably very important to note at this point is that there are people who will say on their own try to apply for a visa at an embassy or consulate. Uh, Up until that point, they enjoy a very important privilege which is the ability to travel visa-free to the United States for most most people from Western Europe. However, if they make an uh, application to the embassy for a visa and that uh, application is turned down, that individual will lose their right to travel visa-free to the United States under ESTA. Right, right. So that's a very uh, uh, important consequence to take into consideration. So if only for that reason, uh, that individual should be consulting with the U.S. immigration lawyer. And what we do often do is sometimes we'll discourage somebody from making an application because it may be that that things are not quite uh, ready for uh, an application for a visa yet. Maybe in six months' time it will be, but that the the Our clients have to be fully informed before we file any applications with the government so that they know exactly what they're getting into.
0: That's a really important point.
2: So it's almost like they need to
0: have a preliminary chat with you before they're, before they're even starting that process to, to sort of sort
1: out in their own mind where they and their business are up to. Exactly, yes. Right.
0: Is that something you did, Sebastian, when you, when you set out on this journey?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. definitely. I mean, I first remember I had a, I had a consultation with, uh, you know, Orlando. I think we met in this office even the last time for, a, um, for around an hour or so um, and um, discussed them. I, I mean,
0: were you aware then how complicated things were?
1: Yes, because I had applied for it previously, you know, so this was my second time round, but I mean, um, as it was my second time, I didn't just assume that things had stayed the same, you know, I assumed they had changed, so I talked to Orlando you know for about an hour in a consultation um and then he advised me on the on the updates that had happened in in the in the years previous to that, and then I made my mind up about the category that I thought was best, and you know had a chat with Alanda again about it and then we we started, yeah. Yeah. Definitely, I think that's a very good thing is to have a a proper consultation, you know, before that and use that, you know, as a decision-making, use that decision-making process and often, you know, I mean, any serious uh, advisor and any serious um, attorney will not try to encourage someone where where the odds, you know, are not favorable, you know, because it might have, cost a lot of money, cost frustration. Um, and it makes people unhappy. It's it's starting to sound quite complicated and that's why we need a lawyer, but it's also sounding, is it something which takes
2: a long time, Orlando? Well, if we have a highly motivated client uh, and that has time to be able, because this is another thing, is that the lawyer doesn't do all the work. The lawyer directs the gathering of information and documentation, puts it together, presents a legal brief to the government, but it does take time on the side of the client as well. So some clients are able to just hit the ground running, and we can have a visa for them potentially within a 90-day period. Really? Yeah, wow. Something that will allow them to live and work in the States uh, for up to five years, uh, depending on the category. But there are some clients that they hire us and they say, look, my window uh, of uh, when I want to be in the States is nine months from now. I want to take things slowly. So in that case, things will progress slowly because we'll time our work to, to work together with the client. Why is it that somebody may want to start the process now, but not move for another six months to nine months? Maybe they have children that they, they need to enroll in school and you know, they're planning in advance, they're picking which is the school they're going to enroll their children in. September's the start of the school year for children in, in the States, usually. Um, so everything will be geared in that direction.
1: But from my experience, I would recommend anyone wanting to move to the United States on a visa like this, on a business mm-hmm. visa. To apply, um, I mean, to, to start planning and start to talk uh, to Orlando at least a year in advance. I, I would concur with that. I would
2: say that anybody who calls expecting to be there in ninety days or sixty days, it's, <laughs> that's most likely that's not going to happen. Yeah, probably best take a whole day and come back. Exactly, <laughs> and, and it is true that uh, there are people who've consulted with us even maybe two years ago, and then we don't hear from them for a year, and then suddenly they call us and say, "I'm ready to go now." Now, in that situation though, there may be things that will have changed um, perhaps in just sort of the, uh, the view of the government with regards to this visa or that visa, what have you. So we usually will have to um, reassess the case. Okay, so,
0: so what, it's a dynamic process. Yes. You, the, the whole visa is one year, visa is different the next year and so on and so forth. I mean, the other thing, um, Orlando, do you get people who kind of work out their own thinking through the visa process, do you know what I mean by that? That they're in two minds or they're, they're not 100% convinced about moving their business to the United States or emigrating or their wife isn't or whatever, whatever. Do you find that people are sort of sorting their own
2: stuff out through the visa process? Yeah, that often happens. Uh, many times we've seen where, when there's a family situation, maybe the spouse with the children says, uh, once you've got the visa and everything's set up <laughs> in the United States, then let me know, and I'll come and join you. But up until then, you know, don't even mention anything to me. So.
1: But I give you another example. Ken, for example, I have a friend who works for Apple. You know, as a British guy, and works for Apple in a very good position, and. Uh, it took him, even in a management position, two years, you know, with Apple, you know, biggest, wow. most valuable company in the world, and, in years, and an American company at that. Yeah, to get a visa, you know, um, to move to the US, you know. So, you know, often it, it really doesn't matter, you know, how important you are or not. You know, it is really, a, a, you know, it takes a lot of planning um, and uh, consideration, you know. I think ideally, if
2: someone really sits down and, and sets out a plan that includes everything, which includes their, their business expansion, the business side of things, tax, visas, everything, so they have a strategy going forward, then I think that usually works best. And like Sebastian is saying, intelligent people will do this at least a year in advance. They're going to be planning all of this. But what invariably happens in cases where people don't really th- even think about Visas. They think about the business side, and all of a sudden, it's like they wake up ninety days before they want to be in the states, and they say, "Oh, oh, that's right. I need a visa for this." Uh, and then they st- start to kick off the process at that point. That puts them quite behind uh, their timeline. Arlante, what's the most satisfying part of your work? I think that people, uh, when they're expanding to the United States, or it's a, it's a new life for them. It's a new chapter, and and they're very they have anxieties, but they're also very excited about it. And once. The, the, um, the goal is reached, it's, it's a party for everybody. I mean, everybody's very happy about it. So, that, I do like that. It's, um, you, you, you feel some of that in the process? You know, feel some of the excitement somebody's having their American dream realized? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I've got a case of champagne uh, delivered last week uh, to, to show that. <laughs> happy, <clients>. happy clients. <laughs> you can show it after we record it.
0: So, the goal of moving one's business to the United States, of achieving that dream, you help facilitate that and you're as happy as anybody when somebody realizes that dream. Oh yes, yes, definitely. So it's a win-win all round. It is. Well, Sebastian, we're back on the street after a fascinating discussion with uh, Orlando. I I didn't realize this process was so complicated. Yes, Kevin, I told you, you
1: should listen to me more.
0: (laughs) Well, that's something I'm going to be doing throughout this podcast, listening to you
1: more. So where are we off to next? Um, I guess we need to uh, have a beer, you know, to celebrate the successful completion of this podcast. No, that's the wrong answer.
0: <laughs> so uh, Sebastian, uh, thank you for introducing me to Orlando. That's really interesting. So now we've got the four letter word out of the way, visas, uh, or
1: visa, um, where are we off to next? Oh, well, it's uh, off to Texas, right? Next week we are flying to Austin. Really? Yes, exactly. Flight booked. Oh. to booked. let's go. Okay, let's go.
0: You've been listening to Move Your Business to the United States with me, Kevin Turley. A huge thanks to my producer, Emmett Glynn, who produced this podcast for Mount Bunnell Media. To find out more, go to mindpanel.com And remember, dream big, dream America.